Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Amen. Good morning. So uh, today we are starting a brand new series um, called Advent. And yes, we are starting this new series on the second Sunday of Advent. Um, that's just how the calendar works this year, so just roll with it. Uh, we are fully into the season of, of Advent now. And what I want to communicate today as we lit the hope candle is to ask this question, right? How do we maintain hope? How do we maintain joy as we wait for Jesus to come back? Advent uh, reminds us that things are not as they should be. Our present situation as the church is in a season of waiting. Waiting for the light that comes to dispel the darkness. And as we've said uh, before, we're in this in-between time, this now and not yet. In Advent, we celebrate the arrival of, of Jesus thousands of years ago in Bethlehem, right? He is our, our hope and our light. And it was awesome in his life, death, and resurrection, our, our salvation, our joy, and our hope. And we hold fast. We live in the midst of that kingdom reality. But at the same time, we, we look around in our world and we can see that we're still living in a time where there is corruption and sin and sickness. We look forward, we await the arrival of King Jesus to, to come back to set all things right. But in our waiting, it can get easy to be impatient to lose sight of that blessed hope that is coming. And so the church is in a similar situation uh, to Israel at the end of the Old Testament. If we remember, they are in exile. They're waiting in, in prayerful expectation for the coming of the Messiah. And in our Bibles about two-thirds of, of the way through, there is a blank page. Here it is. It's a blank page. Most of it says New Testament on it. Right? And that is all that separates the end of Malachi from the beginning of Matthew. The end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New. But that blank page represents 400 years. And many scholars and Bible uh, readers call this the, the 400 years of silence because it feels like God has gone away. The, the Israelites are just waiting, hoping, and longing for the coming king. And near the end of that Old Testament timeline, Isaiah is prophesying. He's actually prophesying about this season of darkness that Israel and Judah would experience. But in the midst of those kind of dark prophecies, there is a glimmer of light. There is a hope shining in the darkness. So Isaiah is talking to um, Israel, or he's actually talking to Judah, and he's saying, you know, that the northern kingdom has been conquered. 
They have, Assyria came in like 721, 722 BC, conquers the northern kingdom and disperses them. Right, And so what conquering kingdoms would do in that time is they would take over the land, they would take the people and send a bunch of them all over the place and take other conquered people and plant them in these new conquered nations. And so you now have this kind of conglomeration of people that don't know each other, they don't have a common history, and it helped Assyria or other nations to, to maintain their hold on these conquered territories. And so the northern kingdom of Israel is conquered and dispersed, never to be heard from again. And now Isaiah says, Judah, the same is coming to you. You got an extra 150 or so years, but the same thing is coming because you too were idolatrous. You too were unfaithful. You too were rebellious. And in Isaiah 8.17, we find this current uh, position of Judah. Isaiah says, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face. And so Judah is waiting. And they're experiencing the Lord hiding his face. And this kind of idea of Hiding his face doesn't mean maybe a lot in kind of our colloquialisms, our, the way we talk. But for a, an Israelite, for a Jewish person, this was super significant. Many of us remember, probably because there is a very, very popular worship song uh, written about that. I think it was this year. But the blessing, that was actually taken from the, the great priestly blessing found in Numbers chapter 6. And as Israel is getting ready to step into the promised land, the, the priest Aaron stands up before the nation and he says this. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. Right? And so we, we see what, the, what that meant to Israel was that God wasn't just existing and didn't just put things into place and kind of set creation into motion, but his face was on Israel. This was a picture of his, his grace and his presence and his love, his, his affirmation for these people. His face is shining on us. It's going to be okay. But here, it seems that the Lord is hiding his face and all is dark. And haven't we all felt like this? All felt like we're in a season of waiting. And though we know that, that God is supposed to be with us, it feels like he's far off. He's abandoned us. He's forgotten us. You know, some of us experience this as, as we've been looking for work and we don't know how we're going to get, how we're going to get food on the table, right? How are we going to pay our bills? I know, uh, many, not many, but a number of my friends have struggled for, for years with infertility and, and struggled with what the, the, the feelings of shame and, and, and sadness be, because of that. And it's got, God, what is going on? You could fix this. Where are you? Some of us have experienced the, the death of a, of a loved one. We just go, it seems so dark. It feels like God is hiding his face from us. 
And maybe you are experiencing that right now. You feel like you're in a season of darkness. It feels like the Lord has hidden His face. I believe today, during this season of Advent, today as we light the the hope candle, the Lord wants to, to remind us that Israel waited 400 years. But they continued to put their trust in God. They remembered that He'd done it before. We tell our kids multiple times a year, we remember the Exodus story, right? We remember we were slaves in Egypt and God heard our cry and He brought us out and put us into our promised land. He's done it. He's not forgotten about us. The promises made to Abraham are still true. We are waiting for the promised Messiah. And this passage ends with Isaiah saying, I'm going to put my trust in him. And put my trust is this little Hebrew word, kavah, which can be translated to wait for, to hope. And so the New American Standard Bible translates this, I will even look eagerly for him. There's darkness covering the land. It is scary. God is hiding his face. But I will even look eagerly for him. And in the English Standard Version, the same word is translated, I will hope in him. And so the Lord is inviting us in this season of time, in this Advent season, in the recognition that we are in the in-between times, now and not yet, that we must put our hope in Jesus. Isaiah kind of continues at the end of uh, chapter 8, and he kind of fleshes out this gloominess. And he says, distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Gloomy words from the prophet Isaiah, right? Like, Mark, this is Christmas. Shouldn't this be a little bit more uplifting? Well, don't worry. We're getting there. Uh, and, and so we see these people, right, in this darkness. They look up and it seems like God has hidden his face and they curse their king and their God. They look to the earth and everything is corrupt and gross and, and bad. And they go, we're just in darkness. We're in an unending sea of darkness. What are we going to do? But in the uh, original writings, there were no verse numbers. There were no chapter numbers. And so people would have been reading. They would have plowed right through 8.22, right into 9.1, where Isaiah says, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future... Uh, But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Hope is coming. And if we remember in Matthew chapter 4, we see the fulfillment of this. Uh, Let's see. I'll start in verse 12, Matthew 4, 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, 
which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So our hope has come. Isaiah continues in verse 2. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Right? Matthew just quoted this. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from, the time, from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so the people of Judah are sustained by the promise of a great light. A great light that shines beyond and overcomes the darkness. And this light is so sure, so sure that, that Isaiah writing as Hebrew poets and prophets wrote, he talks about these things uh, in the past tense as though they had already happened. We can look at that. Uh, let's see. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Right? And so we see, it's, Isaiah's talking like this stuff has already happened. But because of Isaiah's confidence in the sureness of this light. He places the, the, the light of chapter 9 directly in the immediate context of the darkness of chapter 8. Not because it's going to immediately happen, but because it is immediately evident to the eye of faith. It looks terrible. It looks scary. It looks like God is hiding his face. It seems like we have been waiting here for days and weeks or years, decades. But to the eyes of faith, we recognize that God has come. That God is real. He is seated on his throne. And because he came, we can have hope, confident hope that he is coming again. We can live in the midst of this darkness knowing that the light is shining. The darkness and the distress are real. Right? We don't want to negate that. We don't want to say, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you lost your job. Yeah, somebody you love died. You know, oh, it's not a big deal because there's an ultimate hope. No, we recognize these things are terrible. We don't go to the funeral and go, oh, what a great celebration this is, right? We sometimes call it a celebration of life. I don't love that. Um, because we want to recognize death is terrible. It is not what God anticipated. It is not what God created. This is the enemy. 
that God came to destroy. And so, yes, there is an eternal hope, but we recognize that this darkness and trouble are real. But we also want to recognize that this darkness and trouble are not the only reality. And for sure, are not our fundamental reality. In any given situation, we can choose to either sink into despair or rise to faith and hope. Even in the darkness, we remember the light and we hold on to that hope. We rise with eyes of faith. And so what are we going to do today? Will we sink into despair as, I mean, 2020 is full of plenty of stuff to despair about. But will we sink into despair or will we rise to faith and hope that our king is on his way? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, some of you may know, uh, well, you don't know him personally, you may have heard of him. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer had this to say. He said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and look forward to something greater to come. All right, we are troubled in soul. We recognize that our world is in need and we are in need. But this season, this candle of hope reminds us that something greater is coming. Peter talks about this, uh, this, this great hope that is coming as he talks to these people, the, the, the believers that have been uh, persecuted and dispersed from their homes in Jerusalem, and now they are called the the diaspora, right? They're living all over the place. They are far from home. They're either being persecuted or about to be persecuted. And he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He says, remember, you have an eternal hope. It's coming. It's right around the corner. It is a sure hope. It is waiting for you in the kingdom of heaven. And you can rejoice in that reality as if you've got your hands on it, even though for a moment you're going to have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In that hope, we can rejoice. What we are seeing, what we are experiencing is not the end of the story. In the midst of darkness, our joy is a light. A light to ourselves and a light to our world. So as a quick aside, the good news is that we don't have to like muster this up. It's not like, oh, I need to be more hopeful. 
come on, Mark, I need more hope. Hope, 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 hope. Right? Like we run after it, but hope and faith are a gift of the Holy Spirit. We talked last week about soaking and how as we spend time in the presence of God, He fills us with His presence. He fills us with the attributes, the realities of the kingdom. So hope and faith and life and joy and peace spring up in us. And and He says, right, if we want something good, we can ask for it and He promises to give it to us. And so if we want hope, we want more faith, He is excited to give us those things. And so Isaiah promised that a great light was coming. We know that this promise was ultimately fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus. Our final scripture for this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God's promise, our eternal hope, was fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus Christ. In the words of Uh, Isaiah, in chapter 9, he said, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, Every word in Scripture points to the gift of hope that we have because of Christ Jesus. The Christmas story wasn't the beginning of that message of hope because the Old Testament is full of glimpses of your plan to redeem your people and restore them into a relationship with you. But we are able to truly begin to see and understand just how great your love for us is when we read the story of Jesus' birth in Scripture. Help us to see that you're with us. Nothing is too difficult, too messy, or too dirty for you. Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal life through the salvation that only you, our Heavenly Father, can give when we believe on your Son, repent of our sins, and confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That first Christmas, you gave us the gift of hope, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Thank you, Father, for your immeasurable gift. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.